Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has announced that the House will begin an impeachment inquiry into President Joseph Biden. And joining us now to discuss this is the great constitutional law expert and also Harvard professor emeritus. He's also the author of many great books, including his new one called Get Trump. Professor Alan Dershowitz. Professor, so great to have you here. Well, thank you so much. You know, I predicted very accurately when I defended President Trump on the floor of the Senate several years ago that Republicans, some Republicans, would engage in tit for tat and would try to use the precedent that they thought was established by impeaching Trump to try to get the next Democratic president. And sure enough, the prediction has come uh, true. Uh, Now, McCarthy has been more cautious than the Democrats were. He didn't call for a vote of the whole House. He only called for an investigation. Um, He did, however, say that um, he thought perhaps uh, the investigation would lead to impeachment on the grounds he suggested of a culture of corruption or lying, not under oath, and uh, applying a different standard to his uh, own son. Those are all terrible things to do, but they're not impeachable offenses under the Constitution. I argued successfully in the Senate that the only criteria for impeachment are treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And uh, this is an investigation is unlikely to uncover impeachable offenses. They also have to occur while you're president, not before you're president. So it's going to be a difficult task. My own view is that it would be much better for there to be a special counsel appointed outside of politics, somebody who is completely beyond reproach to look into these serious charges, because I think they are serious, but they may be false charges. And if I were, in fact, Joe Biden, I would be welcoming an independent counsel, because that's the only way the smoke is going to clear. It's not going to clear if Democrats say he didn't do it. It's not going to clear if Republicans say he did do it. It requires a really independent counsel looking into all the evidence and then writing a report. So would an impeachment inquiry, though, allow Congress to have a little more force when they put subpoenas? They feel they're being stonewalled. Yes, uh, and that will be challenged. Um, I guarantee you when the first subpoenas are issued, the subjects of the subpoena will say, look, they should be bound by the usual rules, not the impeachment rules, because there's no basis for an impeachment, and that may get to the courts, but we'll we'll wait and see. Subpoenas are very often challenged. Mostly they're sustained, but sometimes they're uh, overruled, so we'll see. Were you surprised that the Speaker did this move, and why do you think he did it now at this moment? Oh, he did it now because um, 
<laughs> Congressman Gates from Florida basically threatened him and said, um, you know, you're hanging on by a string here. Remember how close the vote was to make him speaker. And unless you do something, uh, we're going to uh, see if we can get rid of you as speaker. And we may have enough votes to do that. So I think this was a compromise. He didn't go as far as some would have liked him to go, namely to call for a vote of the House, because I don't think he thinks he has the votes at this point. Maybe he thinks we'll get them. But this was an attempt to try to strike a compromise between the extremists who really want impeachment now and moderates who say, "Mm, let's just wait and see what the evidence uncovers. How long could this take? How long could an inquiry go or could it just continue until whenever? It could go on for a long, long time. There's no limit to it. If they find the smoking gun, obviously, that will change everything and there'll be a move to get a House resolution. But if they just continue to find, you know, the kind of vague evidence against the president, I'm not talking about against his son. And remember, for an impeachment, you also need to have evidence of treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors committed while he was president, not while he was vice president. Uh, a couple of terms ago. So it's unclear how long it will go. Again, it would have been much better, and it still would be better, if the Justice Department were to um, create a special counsel to look into these very allegations. They deserve investigation, but the partisan investigation by Congress not going to satisfy anybody. Do you see, though, Professor Dershowitz, this Justice Department doing that move? They seem to be stonewalling every step of the way, at least the Republicans. I don't. Um, I suggested on my podcast today, uh, the Dershow, that the Attorney General will appoint the three-person commission, perhaps a former justice of the Supreme Court, a couple of former judges, and they would then have the authority to pick the special counsel who would be above reproach and beyond politics. But as I said on my show, it's a dream. And it's uh, very, very unlikely to happen. I think that they would prefer to see the investigation conducted in a partisan fashion, which gives them deniability. If there was a special counsel that came across real evidence of impeachable offenses, it would be very difficult to overcome that because there would be no partisan involvement in that investigation and that decision. But we live in a partisan world and a divided world, and everything these days seems to be partisan. A constitution for me, but not for the um, different sets of rules for one party and for the other. And tit for tat, the weaponization of the impeachment provision, just as Hamilton feared uh, in the Federalist Papers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, Professor Dershowitz, exactly to your point, do you think both sides have sort of cheapened impeachment? Um, I know, you know, through the years, but especially even just recently. I mean, look at the two times that they went after Trump. There seems to be such a such a, a quick reaction in the old days. And, and you know this by far better than I do. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's an impeachment. Now it's like, oh, yeah, it's an impeachment this week, an impeachment that week. It seems to devalue it. That saddens me as an American. Me too. I think the last uh, correct impeachment inquiry was 
President Nixon, who really there were smoking guns, and he would have been impeached and removed had he not resigned. Uh, but then they went to Clinton, which was a closer case because the evidence of a crime committed by Clinton was was pretty substantial. I helped defend Clinton um, uh, in that impeachment provision, but it, it was not a high crime. It was a low crime. It was a crime, perhaps, of misstating or being inaccurate uh, about describing his sordid relationship with Monica Lewinsky, but that wouldn't qualify as a high crime. That's the kind of crime that Alexander Hamilton himself uh, committed when he had uh, an affair and paid uh, hush money uh, uh, for a woman, a married woman with whom he had an affair uh, back in the uh, earliest period of our Constitution. So I, I think the cheapening occurred with Clinton, then it went to Trump twice. Now, there's a danger it'll move to Biden. I hope wiser minds will prevail. Let's have the investigation. Let's see what it turns out. But if it doesn't turn out any more than we now have, that should end uh, not with a bang, but a whimper. You know, you you believe that there isn't a lot now. What about all the, like the FBI informant who came forward, who's a credible FBI informant, yeah. the FD-1023. Yeah. He lays out some very serious bribery allegations, claims there's audio tapes of conversations with this Burisma executive and Joe Biden and the Burisma executive and Hunter. There's a suspicious activity reports. There's all the money. There's the Hunter Biden. I'm sitting next to yeah. my father. Um, you know, what what pieces to those seem to ring out to you to say, wait a minute, this is pretty substantial. Don't you think that's more than just sort of, you know, a, a whimper? Oh, I do. And that's why I think there ought to be special counsel. And that's why people should take that into account in deciding who to vote for. But most of these things occurred not while he was currently president, but earlier in time. A lot of them involved his son. Look, was he sitting next to his son when his son sent that email? Did he see the email? Was he there when phone calls were made? These are all issues that have to be resolved. There's a lot of smoke here, and there may be fire, but there may be arson. And so it's very, very important that there be a credible investigation. My fear is that an investigation conducted by either party, whether it be the investigation of January 6th conducted by the Democrats, which nobody should believe, or an investigation conducted by Republicans against Biden, which I think people will not believe unless it's self-proving. So it would be far better to have a nonpartisan, cre credible investigation because there are serious charges. And if those charges are true, there might very well be a basis for legal consequences. Now, I want to have you play sort of a devil's advocate on both sides, Professor Dershowitz, because uh, you are the best legal scholar I know out there. Um, if you were making the case against President Biden, how would you build it? And is there an avenue, even though, as you're saying, clearly a lot of these things happened when he was vice president, is there a way to weave it into his presidency? Because it may have impacted decisions that he's done with China. It may have impacted decisions he's done with Russia, with Ukraine. Uh, certainly, all of these countries tie into what happened during his vice presidency and with his son, but you could make the case maybe it impacted what he's doing now with these countries. I think that's right, but that wouldn't be an impeachable offense. Even if hypothetically he let his son's behavior influence his approach to China or Ukraine, um, that wouldn't constitute uh, bribery, treason, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. It's a very daunting criteria, very, very difficult uh, to meet those criteria, as evidenced by the acquittals, uh, obviously, of the last three 
impeached uh, presidents, um, Clinton once and then Trump twice. So I, I think it's a long road toward impeachable offenses. But let's have the investigation. Let's see. Let's keep open minds. And let's make absolutely clear that one rule for all. You can't have one rule for the Democrats, one rule for the Republicans, one rule for Biden, one rule for Trump. It has to be the same rule. The shoe has to fit on the other foot. Now, if you were uh, working with the Republicans, what would you how would you lay the case against the uh, president? What would you piece together to create it? Well, I would look to see exactly whether or not the any of the present policies uh, could be traced to uh, decisions that were uh, made while vice president. I mean, I think the most serious charge, I don't know whether it's true or not, but the most serious charge is that as vice president, he withheld a billion dollars worth of aid to Ukraine on condition that the Ukraine fire a prosecutor who allegedly was investigating his son. If that turns out to be true, and there's evidence of that, but there's denials, that's a quite a serious uh, offense. Um, and if you could show that it then impacts uh, current policies or current administration actions, you know, it begins to begin to make a case, but we're a long way. It's interesting you bring up how would it impact current day, because a lot of people aren't talking about that. I think you bring up some really powerful points. Mm -hmm. um, it certainly is interesting because, look, right now, as we know, Russia and Ukraine are in a war. We know that some of the money uh, came in from Russian folks, at least to the Sun and to the Sun's businesses. It went to all these shell companies. I mean, it's sure, like as you said, it looks fishy. There does seem to be a lot of smoke. Yeah. And the, we have to clear the air one way or the other. Either there's a fire or there's arson. And one way or the other, we got to get to the truth. But we're not going to get it through partisan investigations. We're only going to get it through uh, independent, nonpartisan investigations. Special counsel was specially designed for situations like this. The attorney general cannot conduct this investigation. He's hired and fired by the president. He serves at the president's wishes. He is the political advisor to the president. On legal matters, he, as the Attorney General of the United States, you know, he has these two schizophrenic roles. One, he's supposed to be a neutral, objective, head law enforcement official of the United States. And he's also, at the same time, supposed to be a cabinet member loyal to the president, helping him get reelected. Those are incompatible roles. That's why special counsel is so essential in a case like this. How hard is it to get a truly impartial special counsel? I think on the flip side, you could make the case that David Weiss is the worst person to be the special counsel of Hunter the Biden. The worst possible person. He's an insider, which means he's disqualified under the rules. He lives in Delaware. Delaware has 18 people. You know, it's the smallest state. Everybody knows each other. And uh, everybody's part of the same uh, essential group. I, I can't imagine a worse special counsel than an insider uh, appointed, yes, by a Republican, but with the approval and at the recommendation of the two Democratic senators. So I, I can't imagine a worse person to be a special counsel. But there are so many good people out there, former judges, former presidents of universities, um, people who have no involvement in politics at all. And they could do a credible job. Um, you know, I remember when Nixon left office and um, President Ford brilliantly appointed uh, the president of the University of, of Chicago to be the attorney general of the United States. And everybody applauded it. Democrats, Republicans, left, right, center. He was the right person 
because he had nobody knew which side his politics were, if any. And he did a great job as attorney general restoring the country to its previous commitment to the rule of law. But without that, um, you know, we would have been in trouble. But today we're so divided that somebody like him really doesn't doesn't exist. Edward Levy was the model for attorney general or special counsel. But there aren't very many Edward Levy's around these days. You know, you bring up the politics, too, also, Professor Dershowitz. Think about if this were President Trump. I mean, President Trump, as you know all too well, on the very first impeachment, it was for him making a call about potential corruption with Joe Biden. I mean, think about the irony of this moment. And even though you could say, well, maybe there's not... We're, you know, we see a lot of smoke, but we're not sure how much fire is there. Uh, it, if there was just a little puff of smoke, Trump would have been impeached a third time already. Or the impeachment would have gone through the first time uh, or the second time. Uh, the problem is the Democrats, advised by Professor Lawrence Tribe and other radical woke people, uh, didn't even bother to impeach uh, Trump on constitutionally valid grounds. Uh, they went beyond the Constitution. I think these very same people are now going to say, oh, my God, you can't go beyond the Constitution in in trying to impeach Biden. You're going to see them shifting on a dime uh, now that the shoe is on the other foot. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the 14th Amendment, too, because that is a Mm -hmm. big, huge issue. And you brought up uh, Lawrence Tribe. He's been pushing for the potential of, of Trump not being on the ballot, can't be running because of the 14th Amendment. What do you make of these people who are throwing that out there? It's the most dangerous tactic uh, I've seen employed uh, in my adult lifetime because it would be a substitute for impeachment. Impeachment is so difficult. 25th Amendment is so difficult. And what these constitutional radicals and self-serving constitutional analysts are saying, basically, is you don't need impeachment. Uh, Just say that he engaged in, um, you know, revolution, rebellion, insurrection. It's self-proving. It's self-determining. It doesn't only apply to candidates. It applies to Sitting officials too. any mayor of the city that's a sanctuary city could be brought under that because sanctuary cities are insurrections, essentially. What they are are statements by the mayor. We're not going to obey federal law. We're going to allow illegal people who the federal government wants to detain or deport to remain in our cities. So it can be used broadly. It could be used against the people who tolerated the post George Floyd violence that occurred in many parts of the United States. It's it's so dangerous and it's so unconstitutional. Not surprising that it's never been used in our history. And now for the first time, this Get Trump, I, it's the name of my book, Get Trump, any means possible, no matter what it is, Get Trump. So now they're going after him under the 14th Amendment. Very, very dangerous. And I predict it will not succeed. And, you know, to your book's point, Are you deeply concerned, Professor Dershowitz, where we are headed? Because uh, as your book so aptly is called, it seems like at all costs, these things that never came up before, you never imagined, okay, uh, you know, going after insurrection, uh, going after this, four indictments. um, It seems like they may not be done yet. And and yet all these moves, what do you see us headed the next, you know, year, especially with the election and also where we're headed judicially? It's getting worse, and they're going after lawyers now. You know, the Shakespearean villain, uh, Dick the Butcher, said, first, let's kill all the lawyers. And that's what Pol Pot did. That's what Stalin did. That's what Hitler did. That's what Castro did. And we're not killing the lawyers, but uh, we're indicting them. Uh, If you look at the case in 
in Georgia, Fulton County, uh, a handful of lawyers, uh, some of them basically just for filing briefs that the other side disagrees with. Um, the, the 65 Project is going after lawyers. When I complained about the 65 Project and volunteered to defend anybody who is threatened with disbarment or discipline just for defending Trump, when I said that, what do you think the 65 Project did? It filed a bar complaint against me so as to prevent me from defending these other lawyers in states that I'm not now uh, licensed to practice. So it's McCarthyism, and we have to fight it, and I will fight it at every turn. Are you believing that we're at a point we can't turn around? I mean, do you see no, any endgame? Yeah, we can turn around, but we have to do it collectively. We have to do it in a nonpartisan way. We have to get people from all sides of the political spectrum to say enough's enough, and we care more about the Constitution than we care about uh, who's on the ballot or than we care about partisan victories. But we have to get together and do it. And that's why I love being on your show, because you have an audience that uh, includes people from all aspects of the political spectrum. And we need people from all sides to stand together united on behalf of the Constitution. Do you think there's enough people who will bridge that gap? I hope so. But do you honestly think that that could happen, especially in an election year? Not yet, but we're working on it. And that's why we have to keep plugging away at this and persuading more and more people. Yeah, 1,000%. By the way, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share to this podcast. And Professor Dershowitz, I love you. Um, I love your book, everybody. It's called Get Trump. And thank you for all you do to protect America and protect our Constitution. Thank you. And thank you for all you do to protect our Constitution as well. Take care. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.